Episode 5, Hey Love Podcast. Because of our prayer time, there's more peace and harmony in the house. The kids see us interacting more, talking more, kissing more, chasing more. Welcome to Hey Love, engaging the introverted woman in soul care, spirituality, and social spaces. Here, it's all about relationships. Here at Hey Love, you know, we talk about the importance of reaching in, we call that soul care, reaching up to God, call that spirituality, and reaching out to others, social spaces. And every week we try to leave you with one nugget to take away and chew on. I'm surrounded by all these people who chase hard after God, and I've learned so much ever since even launching this podcast. And apparently it's striking a chord with you. I'm a words person, and I so appreciate your feedback. So much encouraging going on up in here, and I'm loving it. It's been so much fun to hear the impact these stories are having on you, my listener. But I knew from the start that the topics that the Lord has called me to talk about here, they're not all light and fluffy. Not that there's anything wrong with that. I love me a little light and fluffy now and then. But this is the portion that God has sliced for me. And the issues, while I know they can be controversial, they're still my passion. I still love talking about relationships, even the harder parts of relationships. And I want to be found faithful by Him. My desire to please Him has now overtaken or superseded my desire to please people. Woo! For a recovering codependent to say that, that's a pretty big deal. Only God could produce that kind of change in a person. Now, if you can't say amen to that, you better say ouch then. Today's guest is another friend from my church, Vanessa Sadler. You're going to enjoy hearing her share about why she and Josh, her husband, planned their wedding in record time. They have three littles, and V's skin is the color of caramel latte, and Josh is this dashing Caucasian, so together they make some beautiful kids. You're going to have to check out their pictures on the website, Hey Love Podcast. We're going to talk today about pushback they've received for mixing it up racially and how their family has been affected by racism. We're also going to discuss extending forgiveness even when there's not an official I'm sorry. We also discuss the need for mentorship and the importance of making time for a personal day. V also gives us great ideas to help us build unity into a marriage which affects the family in such a positive way, especially the kids. She really plays with her husband. She's very deliberate about that. I have much to learn about play from her. V, as we sometimes call her, has an arrangement with Josh to take 48 hours once every quarter to be by herself in a cabin in the country to go unplug and recharge. Does that not sound glorious? And she has a girls' night out every week. This is an unbelievably healthy practice, one that I think you and I need to adopt, don't you think? V prefers coffee instead of chai, and she adds this awful French vanilla coffee mate, which sounds just gross to me, almost sacrilege, but it makes her coffee this creamy white, just the way she likes her man. I asked V to tell us about a relationship she remembers fondly from her younger days, simpler days, spent with her best little buddy. It was in my elementary school days, and I remember 
playing on the playground at recess and playing tetherball and hanging upside down on the monkey bars <laughs> and trying to work up the courage with our feet latched to flip off oh, yeah. and hook our legs and flip our bodies over so that we would land on our feet. Times were simpler. They were much simpler. All right. I want you to describe your favorite room in your house. And can you tell me how you spend your time there? I currently would have to say my living room because my bedroom turns into a playground for our three children who are under eight years old. They wander in and out and make a mess of everything and there's no peace and quiet. So the, the time that I get the peace and quiet is before they wake up. So do they come and get in bed with you guys? No. I will feel like the day is off to a horrible start if a kid wakes me up. Mm -hmm. So I intentionally set my alarm to wake up at least an hour to an hour and a half before they get up. So what time is that now? Um, I'm really blessed. Our kids don't get up until about 7.30, 8 o'clock. Oh, good. So my husband and I meet on the couch at 6.30. Nice. And um, we have time together. That is so beautiful. It's really been something that we've just started cultivating. You know, before we try to just fit it in or it would be, you know, we'd pray before meals, but actually leaning into each other um, and spending that time in the morning asking each other what we have going on for the day and really how can I be praying for you. What a great ritual. Vanessa goes on to explain where she got the idea, why it's important to her and Josh and why they happily give up a few minutes of sleep to meet together on the couch early in the morning. You know, we were both believers when we married, and I think it was kind of something that we just knew was there. You know, our family is, we've always gone to church together. Our family's always gone to church together. We, you know, have our personal relationships with the Lord. But um, I would say that neither of us really had it modeled how to mm-hmm. blend your, your walks together. Um, it's still so important to have our own with the Lord, but we, I mean, we are one now and, um, and after 10 years and three children, we've, we've noticed that we not necessarily have drifted apart, but our lives have just been going side by side and we've kind of turned our heads toward each other and gone, Hey, Mm. let's get back to us. Nice. Well, I've read that, um, you know, if a couple does not intentionally grow together, they will grow apart. Yes. That's the natural tendency. So that is such a great deliberate step. How long do you generally meet on the couch? We'll generally do about 25 minutes. That's doable. That's totally doable. Um, And it's it's guided. So we don't have to think about it. It's something that comes to our inbox every week. We read a short passage, a very short devotional, and there's a discussion portion, and then there's a prayer portion. Do you have Mm -hmm. a particular devotional that you would recommend for a young couple? Um, For a young couple, I would highly recommend this is a this is a plug but i am no affiliation whatsoever um but it's the 30-day prayer challenge from family life ministries it's at familylife.org great we'll have that in the show notes and are you on the um ever thine prayer list by chance i am isn't that good? I, I love I it. Love. And even the art that they have. I have a couple products. Everything is framed so beautifully. Mm-hmm. Even I, the emails. Yes. Gorgeous. Well, I had the I had the privilege of hearing her speak at a homeschool conference Barbara a year Rainey. ago. Mm-hmm. She's going to be on the podcast. Yeah. That's exciting. <laughs> She's coming oh, up. Oh, how fun. They, their ministry and legacy is oh, timeless and phenomenal. 40 so years they're going on. I can't fathom. Yeah. 
I can't fathom. So what were you going to say? You heard her speak? I heard her speak and um, was able to, at that homeschool conference, purchase some of the Everline Home decor. We have the, the Easter pack. I'm crazy about the Everline products, too. There is beauty and meaning in each and every piece, and they have stuff for every season. It's so beautiful. I'll put the link in the show notes so you don't have to write it down while you're driving. You should go check it out. I also asked Vanessa if her kids ever got up earlier than normal, if they ever interrupted her devotional time with her husband, and if she ever feels frustrated by it. Not that I would know this feeling from experience or anything. I know it's not always possible or practical, but whenever it works, I want to challenge you to kind of fold your kids into your everyday life. It's important for them to see you living life, to see you taking care of your temple, to see you argue and make up with your husband, to see you praying, especially see you praying. I remember when my son was little, um, he was asked one time, so what does your mom do? And he said, well, she writes, she prays, she cooks. Yeah. It was just kind of one of the things, you know, yeah. in the list. And I thought, that is so awesome Precious. that he said that. Um, if they did wake up and came down, I think it's happened maybe once or twice. Literally, like I said, we're incredibly blessed to have sleepers. We ask them to join us. Oh, uh, so they can sweet. come and sit with us on the couch, but um, we definitely don't stop what we're doing or allow them to be an interruption, but we don't make them feel like an interruption. Either. Yeah. Have you ever heard of the program, uh, Growing Kids God's Way? No, I haven't. It was such a great program. We were so blown away by certain concepts that they had that seemed so simple, but to us, it was like, this is a revelation. But they had one called Couch Time, where the husband, mm. you know, generally, if he was the one that was working later than the wife or she was home early or whatever, he would walk in. And before even greeting the children, he would make a beeline for the wife. Mm -hmm. And if it was the wife that walked in late, she would make a beeline for the husband. They would sit on the couch and talk for 10 minutes before even greeting or speaking to the children. And that did so much to build security in the children. It's amazing what modeling a healthy marriage and relationship for your children does for their psyche. Yeah. The security of knowing. And Joshua and I both come from divorced families. So knowing that we get to rebuild and kind of bridge this in our own family tree yeah. uh, is such a blessing, but we had never thought uh, beyond ourselves necessarily mm -hmm. in that. And so the kids see at, because of our prayer time, there's more peace and harmony in the house. The kids see us yeah. interacting more, talking more, kissing more, <laughs> chasing more. Um, you guys chase each other through the house? I think you need to know that when we were house hunting, <laughs> on the top of the list, there had to be a loop in the house, in the downstairs area for to run. Because the chasing game. The chasing. Daddy chases the boys. Oh. And the new added feature is that daddy chases the boys while carrying our daughter, Aww. traps everyone on the couch, and then I come and tickle everyone. I love it. So the there's got to be ending. a loop for them to run around, <laughs> some sort of circle. And your house yeah. does have a loop. And we have a loop through that the kitchen, awesome. the dining, the living, and the hallway downstairs. That was the first prerequisite. Vanessa, tell me, who is one woman who helped shape your character? I... I'm so blessed to have had a handful of really awesome mentors, um, women who were older than me by 
an entire generation. And um, one in particular I got to live with for a time. And she, her name is Miss Pam, and she spoke volumes into my life through word, but probably more into my life through being mm. um, and and getting to live with her when I, you know, when I was single before uh, I got married was, was so huge. Um, I remember, well, she's the one who, who really taught me how to love the word, how to breathe it in. Um, I still remember one of the scriptures I love to this day because of her is uh, Jeremiah fifteen sixteen. Mm-hmm. When your words came, I ate them. They're my joy and my heart's delight for I bear your name, O Lord. And from what I've seen in Bible study, you do eat the word. I really <laughs> it's yummy. I it's feel really like yummy. That is so your heart. That's really cool. Thank you. Um, <laughs> the word is yummy. The word is so yummy. Um I learned that from her. Uh it, she exuded the word and the love of the word and the embodiment of scripture. And it wasn't just something that was a part of her life. You know, it wasn't just something that she got up and did and nobody ever saw it. It was like Uh, the center. It was the center. It was Mm -hmm. the, it was the center of every conversation. It was, you know, if you met her, their, their home, they never lock their doors. (laughs) And so when I, and their, their love was college age students, um, (sighs) from, from high school, kind of transitioning into college and the college years. That was mm. their, and to this day still is, the mm. the people that they speak into the most, she and her husband. And they and just had an open door. Their door was always unlocked. And so when I wow. lived there for a time, I it never occurred to me, of course, because I was in college and I wasn't afraid. Of, it was a suburb. And so it wasn't uh, a rough neighborhood or anything like that. But I would wake up in the morning and there would be like three people on the couch that weren't there when I went to bed. <laughs> and I might've gone to bed at one or two o'clock in the morning because we just stayed up talking and baking and eating wow. cookies and talking about Jesus and oh. seeing where everyone was at in their walks. And it was just, it was how they did life. Like people would just come in oh. on rotation. Did they have a kid in college? They had two kids. Um, I had Man. two kids. One, yeah, one I... That's how I met her, actually, mm-hmm. um, was uh, a friend from college. She came to visit him when he was on campus, and I met her through that. And she just latched wow. on to me. And I latched on to her, and I held on for dear life. And she's a really dear, sweet friend that I call on to this day. That's amazing. Yeah. Can you imagine if every college student had someone like that? In she their lives? taught me the art of mentorship. To the sandwich method is what I call it. What is that? There should always be someone speaking into your life, um, and you should always be speaking into someone else's. Because even if you're 12 years old, you can speak into an eight-year-old's life or a five-year-old's <laughs> life um, and be uh, pliable. Yeah, and I've heard that uh, expressed a couple of different ways. Have one hand in front, mm-hmm. someone leading me a hand to the side appear mm-hmm. to walk alongside and then a hand outstretched behind me to bring someone up along. I like that. <clears throat> yeah. I think that's so important, especially for women. Yeah. So important. We we're hardest on ourselves. Mm-hmm. And if we've got, like you just said, someone ahead of us and someone beside us that can kind of temper our mm-hmm. hardness on ourselves. 
So true. I think it makes life a little bit easier. Yeah. And our problems kind of take their proper size. They do. What do you hope a close friend might say at your funeral? I hope, Way to bring the room down. I know, right? <laughs> I hope they would say that they never felt like their time was wasted with me. I think there's definitely a time for sitting and doing nothing. And there are those friends that you have where you can waste, you just waste time, but it doesn't feel like wasting because you're being real and pouring into each other. Mm. Um, but there are also those friends that you've spoken into them and they've spoken into you and you've sat and cried and you've laughed until your cheeks get like tight right at the top. And, <laughs> Sore. and I've had three kids, so I might pee a little bit in my pants because we laugh so hard. But, uh, you know, I hope that time is never wasted. When V and Josh were engaged, they were fresh out of college, and in an effort to save things for their wedding night, they pushed their wedding date up sooner to put out the fire, so to speak, in order to not burn with temptation for each other. It was such an honorable thing to do, but it left them with hardly any time to plan an entire wedding. What would you say to your 25-year-old version of yourself? I... Josh and I got married when I was 22. So 25 was our first child. What, like the day you graduated from college or what? Not long after, yeah. Uh, we were only engaged for five weeks. So Five weeks? Five weeks, yes. Our entire relationship was long distance, so a little oh. over a year and a half. And then when I graduated college and we were able to be in the same city, we realized very quickly that we needed to get married. <laughs> How did you plan a wedding that quickly? That's amazing. You know, I'm a tomboy to this day. So I was not the girl that sat around thinking about the perfect wedding or dreaming it up or thinking about what it looked like. Like I said, I come from a divorced family. So I and my parents were divorced when I was very young. So I never saw a, you know, husband wife household. I don't even remember seeing marriage photos of my mom and dad. So looking and seeing a wedding dress and thinking that it was something to aspire or attain to wasn't necessarily at wow. the forefront of my mind all the time. So I didn't have the binder or the book or you know, <laughs> the, the picture in my head of what I hoped it would look like. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it was really easy for me. I would, I would have loved to have eloped. Really? Uh, yes, because this sole introvert is not... Uh, I don't really care about being around people. Are you an introvert? I am a completely total introvert. I'm not shy. Really? Yes, I'm an introvert. I people recharge. are surprised when I tell them I test as same, an introvert. Same and here. I cannot. I wouldn't have even pegged you as an introvert. Not me. That's amazing. Yeah. I am. So completely you get introvert. recharged by being alone? Totally recharged. I'm an only child in a house full, full hmm. of little children and. Uh, husband who, God love him, is social. Oh, And, uh, you know, if we have people over and somebody starts getting their keys or fidgeting around, he's like, (laughs) he's like a dog almost like, why is everyone getting ready to leave? You know, he he doesn't take his shoes off when he first gets home. He's like, I don't know. Just got to move in and go in and do it. And he has, I tell you, your husband has one of the most radiant smiles. He lights up the entire room. I agree. Wow. You guys are so striking together. You're sweet. I wonder, have you had much um, 
pushback about being a multiracial family? Because we have. We, yes. <laughs> pushback, We're in the same from, boat. <laughs> pushback from his family. Part of his family did not attend our wedding oh. um, in protest and would not let their children, Joshua's cousins, attend our wedding. Yeah. And is there relationship there now? It's very interesting. Um, one of his cousins got married recently, and we drove up for the wedding. And you know, we kind of we got we kind of sat in the background. We didn't re- really trying to make a scene of it um, because it was her day for sure. But um, her dad was one. The, the bride's dad was one of the family members who hadn't come to our wedding, and mm-hmm. so. Um, but he was very welcoming. Uh, he was glad to see us. Mm. Uh, I think he could maybe tell that the years had passed and that maybe the decisions that he made or the, the things that he thought then maybe weren't all that important anymore. Um, you know, sometimes you can just read things on people's faces, Yeah, (laughs) Uh, even in, in just a, a few amount of words. But also, um, Joshua's grandpa wasn't at the wedding, and he's the only grandparent that Joshua... Joshua had all four grandparents when we married, and the only one left is the one that wasn't at our wedding. Wow. And he actually is... Um, he has cancer mm. and reached out currently to um, Joshua's sister, who has uh, a biracial son who's mm. a year older than our oldest. So we're all, all, all the great grandkids. You're all mixing we it have, up. Yeah, mixing it up, real, just stirring oh. it up. Um, wow. But he had said that he missed them and really would like to get together with us. So we're kind of in the process of looking at a date. That's amazing. To go up there, we, have, I haven't, we haven't seen him in almost 10 years. Oh. Almost 10 years. So he never came out and said he's sorry, but how gracious and kind of you guys to extend grace to him and, you know, be able to read it on his face that he is, that's his way of saying sorry. Yeah. That's so redemptive. Yeah. I think there's, um, we can place unrealistic expectations on maybe those who, who don't necessarily live open-handed. We can place unrealistic expectations on them if they're open-handed over here, that they should be open-handed altogether. Mm. And that's not always the case. I think if, if there's any level of openness, uh, as believers, we can walk into that, um, where they are. That's um, great. That's so Jesus. And hopefully mend something there. Yeah. yeah. And that was Jesus' approach. Yeah. Meeting people right where they are, how they are. After hearing that, I am so inspired now to get some dates on my calendar and go off by myself and recharge. Aren't you? I feel like even though this season of my life is not the same nonstop chaos that it was when I had littles running around at home, it's still hard for me to unplug. You know, I always find something that needs to be done, right? To go away, like out of your house, means no laundry, no dishes, no dust bunnies calling your name. I got to do this. What about you? Are you good at making time to nurture your soul and recharge? What is the best getaway you've ever had? What do you do for play? Are you good at this? Write about it on our Facebook page. We would love to know. Hey, love podcast. Um, As for me, I really had a hard time with play. Once I started, though, absorbing the fact that I am loved by God, 
when that really started penetrating through the walls that I had built around my heart, I found myself extending grace and patience and love to my kids and really learning how to play with them instead of treating them like they were an interruption. I stopped hurrying through the day so we could get to the quality time, and I realized, you know what? As far as these kids are concerned, this is the quality time. The journey is the thing to them. I knew I was supposed to be spending time with my kids. The problem is that I missed the whole point sometimes while I was trying to get there. If I could go back in time, I would have shifted my thinking way sooner than I did. A mentor of mine set the example for me many years ago. I don't know that we ever even talked about it directly, you know, but I just watched her as she incorporated her children into everything she did when they were little. It helped me see what I was doing and how that reflected how I saw myself. In other words, I saw my kids as an interruption to me because I saw myself as an interruption to God. But as I allowed my Heavenly Father to start reparenting me, I started bringing my kids with me more into my life, like folding them in. Instead of going to the gym every single day, I worked in bike rides a couple of times a week. And if I felt like I wasn't getting enough of a workout going at their pace, I would jog along while they rode on their bikes. And I remember asking my small group how they felt about me bringing littles to the prayer meetings every week. And at the time, everyone else in my group had grown kids. They were in high school or college. I was fierce about chasing mentors, and I was always hanging out with women that were older than me. So I was the only one at this stage with littles at home. So my friends were so welcoming. They hadn't been around little kids in a long time. So my kids would join me, and they would sit in the corner and bring their little games. Sometimes they'd sit quietly and sometimes not so quietly. And sometimes they got to bring a little friend. I have some really fond memories of that season of life, and I am so glad for the awakening I had. I would have missed out on so much, and my kids would have too. V's mentor showed her the one thing that's just as important as teaching the word, you know, to your mentee. I am so encouraged to see young women like V making a deliberate move toward connecting like this face-to-face in a day and age when tweeting and texting are the norm, right? I mean, there's, there's even a train of thought among Christian circles that you can be mentored by a book or a blog. Now, don't get me wrong. Reading books is great. And keeping up with authors that we look up to, that's awesome. I follow lots of people. But studies keep telling us that after connecting on social media, if that's all that we're doing, we're actually feeling lonelier than ever. Here I am telling you, it's a pseudo connection point, but I'm on Facebook and Instagram all the time, encouraging you to write in all the time. I realize this is a total double standard that I'm putting out here to you. I'm just saying it can't be all the connecting that you're doing. We need to have somebody with skin on too. You know, I need to be able to look into the eyes of my mentor and see that no matter what stupid thing I've done, I am still loved. She can reflect so much of Jesus' take on things with just a look from her eyes. Early on in this interview, while we were talking about couch time, what I didn't tell Vanessa is that my husband and I used to do a version of what she's talking about. The main difference is that we didn't use it for devotions, and we certainly didn't enjoy it. Not a minute of it. Couch time for us 
was painful. I'm not kidding you. We were not able to sit and have a pleasant conversation. We actually went to our mentors in the Growing Kids God's Way class, and we told them, look, we can't do couch time anymore. We are failing. We are failing this class. We end up fighting every time. I think we need to stop. Seriously. And the teachers just laughed at us. They they kept thinking we were joking. We were all, no. You do not understand. We are dead serious about this. It's not pretty. Every time we have couch time, we think it's hurting our marriage, like it's taking an already bad marriage and making it even worse. They kept telling us to press through, whatever that means. And eventually, two years later, we got to where we could have a 10-minute couch time and not get into some knockdown, drag-out fight. It was nothing short of a miracle. No lie. It took us that long. I know it did because we actually took the same class again the following year. And no, I did not ask Vanessa if they ended up in fights on the couch like we did because it's obvious that they enjoy each other a whole lot more than Blair and I did at that stage in our marriage. But that's not really saying much. Those were the dark years for us, man. But hey, I'm glad for her. Now, I don't want you to be scared off by what I said about Growing Kids God's Way. It really is a great program, and it's one of the ways that God exposed areas in our marriage that we really needed to look at. So in some ways, you could say it's it's almost as much of a marriage program as it is about parenting. You know what, though? We would have fought no matter what study we were doing. Anytime Blair and I were in the same room for a few years, I don't know. It's Like I told you, I was in a bad mood for about the first 20 years of our marriage. Seriously. But I really think that I'm starting to come out of it now. Lest you think that Vanessa and Josh have a perfect or easy marriage, V wanted me to update you on that. Since the recording of this interview, she and Josh have been working through one of the hardest struggles they've ever had to face in their entire married lives. But she wanted me to convey to you they are getting help, they're committed, and they're staying. I've walked with her through chapters of this story, and I get to hear about their progress from time to time. And I got to tell you, I am so proud of them. I am so encouraged to see this young couple fighting for their marriage. Pray for them. Pray for every marriage you care about. We need to celebrate marriages. You know, I'm not saying make an idol out of the idea of marriage, but we need to take it for what it was meant to be a gift to us, one of the ways in which the Lord displays his splendor to the world. Recently, I found a stack of some old sermon notes. One sheet was dated 1988. I can hear my daughter's voice in my head. Oh, mom, you are so old. I'd scribbled down some quotes from a dear pastor friend of ours, Scotty Smith. And in that sermon, he said, When two people place high value on their marriage, the world looks on and says, Yes, there must be a God, and I want to know Him. I sat in that pew, a single young woman, wondering if I'd ever be married someday, and I looked around me at all the lovely marriages in that body we loved called Christ Community Church. We worshiped there for over 12 years. Now, these weren't perfect marriages, but they were lovely to behold. And what Scotty said rang true in my heart that day. I got it. I got that there was a mystery and a wonder to marriage. And I agreed. Yes, there must be a God. And I do want to know him. 
Now, back then in the late 80s, we would have never even imagined that the institution of marriage would be such a target for attack. But it seems to have a big red bullseye at the heart. The enemy knows that he's on his way out, and since he can't reach the father, he will stoop to any new low to destroy his kids. And marriage is such an easy target. Nothing can make us more weak in the knees like relational pain. It's like kryptonite to our souls, you know. I heard a popular speaker recently say that it's no big deal when two people stay married for 50 years, as if they were certainly miserable the whole time just sticking it out for the kids. You know, there's this idea that divorce isn't all that bad. Sometimes it can be good for a couple, especially when some celeb couples embrace that philosophy. It's easy for us to believe it, that there is such a thing as a good or easy divorce. Now, while there are components of this idea called conscious uncoupling that can be useful, the danger is that impressionable minds like ours will take it to mean that there's always this option just in case, you know, I can always have divorce in mind if this thing doesn't work out. We have a professional counselor coming in soon, in fact, to discuss the effects of this idea called conscious uncoupling. If you've not heard this term yet, suffice it to say that it's basically about two people agreeing to play nice as their marriage is coming to an end, which in this way of thinking um, is called completion, which has such a nice, pleasant connotation to it, doesn't it? Like I said, there are some pieces that are beneficial of this concept. Being nice is always a good thing, but we'll delve into this in depth real soon. I think that's going to be a fascinating discussion. When I think of Adam and Eve in the garden, the first marriage, and how it was a gift to them from God himself, how Eve was named life giver and helper, such an honorable title. In fact, the word we use most often now, helper, is used for the Holy Spirit. And when I think of my own marriage, how precious it is to me, how healing it's been for me, I can't help but take this attack personally. I feel hurt. I feel grieved. Here's this thing that was meant to bless you and reflect the love of God to the world, and it's being torn apart and diminished. It's really sad for me to see that it's become this polarizing political thing, like a malware virus eating up all your family photos or 12 chapters of your manuscript in the blink of an eye. So when you see a married couple and they actually look happy, keep in mind that in order to get to the sweet spot they're in now, they probably had to fight like hell through some rough spots first. Pray for them. And if you feel especially bold, go up and offer them a word of encouragement. I've gone up to older couples before and said something as simple as, it's so nice to see two people holding hands, or how long have you two spring chickens been together? This always brings a smile to their faces. Also, if you see a couple that you know is struggling, pray for them, too. Also, that relative that V mentioned, the one who boycotted their wedding, well, they had been talking to him about a visit, but he ended up not being able to go through with it. He just couldn't get over the mixed race thing after all. It's really unfortunate because he's missing out on a great little family. Josh and Vanessa are not requiring anything of him an apology, not even an acknowledgement of the hurt he's caused. But Josh is going up alone to visit him in his sickbed. Isn't that so beautiful? The love of Christ doesn't always make sense to us. But this young couple, they're living out love freely with reckless abandon. 
I pray that they can reconcile with this relative before he passes away. We'll talk in a future episode about how reconciling with someone is different from forgiving them, which they have done for sure. Every part of this job is my absolute favorite. It's about real women dealing with real-life issues. I should say real men, too. Godly men. If you're single and you're wondering if there are any good ones still out there, I'm here to tell you, yes, they're out there. Don't give up. A21 is Vanessa's charity of choice. Their website will compel you to live out love in a holy way. I was moved to tears watching the short PSA they've been playing in Greece. They have a great website with branches all over the world and a very active Facebook page. The photo on the homepage of their website, there, there's this photo of all the participants dressed in black, walking in a single file. I felt like each one was representing a victim of human trafficking. That's their main mission field. Seeing them all carry out their walk, even in the pouring rain, under their black umbrellas, it was such a striking image. It moved me. Go check it out and see if that's something you want to get involved in. And of course, we'll have them linked in the show notes. A21, just another way for you to live out love. My thanks to the heroic, handsome, most talented rock star, keyboard player, producer, engineer extraordinaire, and my best friend, Blair Masters, for setting it all to music. And thank you for joining us. Come on back, and we'll talk more about how you can find your happy by living life more connected. Pardon me while I have my own personal hot summer. We're having a heat wave, a tropical heat wave. Okay, ready? 